You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey there, folks. It's Robin, and I'm popping in to talk to you about clean water because I'm going to be honest, I've been worrying about the contaminants in our tap water, and I knew I had to find a solution, you know, something reliable and effective. And that's when I discovered AquaTrue. And it's been a game changer for my family. AquaTrue's purifiers, they're basically like superheroes for your water, using a four-stage reverse osmosis process to tackle even the toughest contaminants. With PFAS, you know, those pesky forever chemicals making their way into nearly half of U.S. tap water, it is a relief to know that AquaTrue is certified to just kick them to the curb. Plus, their range of purifiers fits every home, from countertop setups to under-sink options. They've even got a Wi-Fi-connected model for the tech-savvy among us. And let's talk about those filters, okay? Long-lasting and affordable, they are a dream come true. There's no more like swapping them out every few months. AquaTrue's filters go the distance and last up to two years. Since switching to AquaTrue, I have noticed a huge difference. The water tastes cleaner, it's fresher, and the best part, I no longer have to worry about what's lurking in my tap water. Even my kids are drinking more water because of the ease of the countertop setup. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, our listeners are going to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and you're going to enter the code HEADSPACE at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E. Go get it. Hi, folks. Robin here. And I am just letting you know that we are on a little headspace vacation at the moment. So the production team and our fabulous teachers can get some downtime to refresh, renew, and come back ready. Don't worry. We are not leaving you. Instead, we are sharing a few of our favorite episodes. And hey, this little break is a lovely opportunity to catch up on any episodes that you might have missed this season. Everybody wins. And we will be back on Tuesday, September 12th, kicking things off with a back-to-school mindful parenting episode. Woo! Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Well, hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us here at Dear Headspace, a podcast where each week I sit down with a Headspace meditation teacher and we answer your questions about anything and everything. I'm Robin Hopkins. I'm I'm one of the lucky folks who produces Dear Headspace, and I'm also juggling being an actor, a writer, a podcaster, and a mom of two, 
And both my kids are in middle school. There is so much drama, Dora. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. But as Robin (laughs) shared, I am Dora Kamau. I'm one of the mindfulness and meditation teachers here at Headspace. And beyond all the credentials and everything that makes me who I am, I am also just a human being and a daughter, sister, friend, lover, and just have used mindfulness and meditation to allow me to navigate this human challenging experience at times. That is delightful. All right, today we have questions about struggling to learn a new skill, not wanting to be mean to family. That is not an easy one. And what to do when people think you're abrasive. I mean, I feel like these questions were picked specifically for me. So (laughs) I'm excited. I find that very hard to believe. But I am so happy that you are here with me today. Like, I already feel like we're having this vibey, amazing experience. Yeah. So are you ready to take some listener questions? Yes. Okay, here we go. Dear Headspace, (laughs) Apparently, I'm a mean person and say things that hurt people's feelings. I think of myself as a compassionate person who's very good at listening, but recently people have brought it to my attention that I can be a bit too blunt in my interactions. Now, it's hard to take this in because it's not how I perceive myself. What do I do? Wow. Wow. I mean, you can really hear that listener is struggling. Yeah, it sounds like there's frustration and I can Mm. definitely relate to that of being misunderstood. And I know people have told me, okay, you're too blunt, you're too transparent, you're too honest. And I'm like, well, I thought these were things that people valued. (laughs) (laughs) So how can I tone it down a bit? But then again, you know, you kind of start to mask your authentic self because then you have to tone police and all these different things that... For me, it's like I'm trying to show up and express who I am, and it's just not being understood. And so I could hear that frustration in yeah. her. I don't know the whole extent of this question, but it just sounds like there is that deep frustration there. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I I could hear the upset in yeah. the words, like what you were saying of somebody misunderstanding who they are. Yeah. And I'm curious with this question, because again, for me, like I naturally have a very stern face. I have a furrowed brow, especially when I'm trying to learn things or I'm trying to understand someone. And that comes off as being mean and abrasive. So I'm curious for her, like what were those markers? Like how do people know that you are being mean or abrasive? I really, yeah. I'm, well, let's, let's for the sake of this talk, because yeah. we're, we're in sort of a one-way format where we just get what they give us. Yeah. So, like, let's make the assumption that people have given her that absolute direct feedback. Yeah. You're too blunt. You're too abrasive. Yeah. What do you do with that? Yeah. Check in. Am I? What's the truth? Right? Like, what is the truth of this situation? Is it just people projecting? Or could I be a little bit softer? Could I lean in more mm. to being truly compassionate? Because sometimes we talk about compassion or patience or acceptance, and that means something completely different for every single person. So I think in this situation, being able to check in with yourself, notice through a body scan or even just like a simple awareness practice and notice what's going on in your body and how are you expressing whatever is there to the people that are around you. Okay, so let me just make sure I get this right because I definitely think I can be an abrasive sort of person. I'm, yeah. I, I like to say I'm I'm not for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> but like I might be like, well, they were wrong, or I might I might get into like, well, I'm trying, or then then I'll be hard on myself, and then and it's like I could get into a back and forth in my head. Yeah. How does our listener avoid? 
like, how do you know what's true, what someone is saying about you or what you think about you? Yourself. Yeah. So that's another thing that I would ask you or her, even myself, is like, again, what is true for me in this moment? Am I being misunderstood? And that's why maybe I'm coming off as abrasive. Am I angry trying to get a point across? Like what's happening in this moment? Yeah. And how am I perceiving it? And how are other people perceiving it? And where can I take accountability? Right. Right. And where can I, you know, maybe lean into this humility a little bit and be like, you know what, maybe I am coming off a little bit abrasive, right? And that's not my intention, but this is how I'm showing up in the moment. What could I do a little bit differently so people could be open to receiving me? You know, that is really interesting because like if you're checking in and you are being honest with yourself, if you're open to saying, yeah, I do feel really stressed right now, or I do feel really angry about maybe something that happened earlier today, Is it possible I'm carrying that with me into this interaction? But it's that moment of checking in with yourself. But but you do have to be honest. Yeah, honesty, self-honesty. Because sometimes we want other people to be honest, but we aren't honest (laughs) with ourselves, right? You have to take accountability. You do. So, and I always say, like I had a Radiohead Space podcast episode and I said, never a bad day, but only a bad moment. So (sighs) someone could cut you off in traffic at 8 a.m. and then you get into work and it's like 11 a.m. and you're still carrying that, that moment where you were cut off in traffic, but now it's like spewing all over your coworkers and teammates. So like check in with yourself, notice what's happening, right? What happened earlier? Maybe there's something on my mind that I'm trying to get across, but I think holding yourself accountable in this situation seems like the key for me, but I could be wrong. Well, and all that work is internal. Is there also, is there a conversation that should be had with the person who's, yeah? because in any situation, there's my version, your version, and then what really happened, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah. But like, you know, maybe they they have their own projections and maybe a a conversation is warranted to get to the bottom of, especially if you, your intention really was misunderstood. Yeah, we always say, uh, not we always say, but my friends and I and our You and chat, all your personalities. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some days. <laughs> but um, there's your intention, but there's also the impact. So she yeah. could be wanting to be very compassionate, but the impact that you're making on other people is completely opposite. Yeah. So yeah, like what you were saying, having that conversation with people that you can trust, because sometimes people don't have your best interests. Right. And sometimes we are holding people accountable to things that we want and not necessarily what's right for them. So- I would say talk to the people that you trust and that you love and try to get a different perspective on it. Because again, sometimes there's many personalities that are going on in this (laughs) body. So it's hard to know what's true and what's not. And no judgment. If you are, then do the work to try to clean it up and see, you know, because we go back to the upset you could hear in her voice. Yeah. Something's going on for you. Yeah. So... You know, yeah. and I feel like being understood is such a human, like it's a necessity, yes. right? Everyone wants to be understood and under- accepted and loved and appreciated. So to not have that, it's like, I feel you. I feel you with that frustration. And maybe it's even just honoring that because again, you could take out... Um, that abrasiveness onto other people, if you haven't just sat with that feeling of like, hmm, you know, I feel really misunderstood in this moment. And, you know, I'm a human being and I do want to be understood and accepted by the people that I'm around. And this is really challenging for me. 
and moving from that space instead of, why do people think I'm abrasive and what's going on? And I'm a really friendly person. And it's like, well, (laughs) you know, and I'm saying it to the other person, but this is also just like a memo, a voice note to myself of taking that time to just honor however it is that I'm feeling in this moment, because I may not know when I'm trying to express it to other people and what will come out is that just like hot fire that can be inside of my body when I'm misunderstood. So really taking that time to check in with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing our our listener mentions, like, I think of myself as dot, 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 right? How do we use our mindfulness practice to to have that be an accurate perception of who you are? And, you know, like, can you go deeper in on that? Yeah. What comes up for me in the moment is the concept of non-striving because, you know, I could think of myself as Beyonce or (laughs) Madonna or Britney Spears or all the greats, but the reality of it is is that I'm I'm not those things and it would be nice and it's a great alternate reality to live in, but in this present moment, I am who I am. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes we can really strive to be these things that are unattainable or that sounds good or, you know, many people will like us if we are compassionate, but I think it's important to be grounded and to be present and to honor whoever's showing up right now, Yes, you know, because that is enough. And there can be a lot of resistance and tension that can arise when we try to be someone that maybe we're not ready to be yet, or maybe someone that, again, sounds good, but we don't have the skills or the tools to be that person. So I think it really just comes back to being mindful about who you are in this moment and how can you lean into that? How can you find the joy in just being yourself? Well, I mean, I think that that is a lot of really useful advice for our listener. And and hopefully, you know, maybe they'll check in and let us know if there's been some shifts or changes. We, we love to hear back from people. So, yes. you know, don't be afraid to let us know. How this lands. Yes, please. And I, it's probably off tangent, but I always say to people, like, it's okay to take what I've said and to question it because that means that you're able to create your own meaning. So you may be listening to this and you're like, Dora, that didn't resonate at all. And I'm like, good, because from there, (laughs) you can make your own meaning of things. If you were just to sit here and take on what I've shared with you, it may not fit. Absolutely. Um, So let's head into question number two, shall we? Yes. I've been learning piano for the first time on my own and I'm finding it really challenging. As soon as I hit a small road bump, I immediately want to opt out or distract myself. I feel like my brain has been trained to crave short-term dopamine hits and no longer appreciates the ups and downs of slow progress towards a goal. Are there any mindfulness practices that you'd apply in situations like these so I can learn to power through and enjoy the challenge? Okay. I mean, this is widely universal. All of us trying to learn something and struggling. Yeah, I feel that. I just started doing Pilates for the first time and it's hard. Mm-hmm. No one told me how hard it was. You're on this like reformer. And doesn't it look like it should be so easy? Like the little cables like boop. It's not easy at all. And I can be really hard on myself, similar to what our listener had shared about just wanting to give up when you don't get it right the first time. And for me, a practice has been finding the joy in things. Like I find that I'll really be hard on myself because I think it has to create a certain outcome. So 
at the end of my Pilates, I have to become like an instructor. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, like, but I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the reason why I signed up to do Pilates, right? Is <laughs> to feel good in my body and to develop more muscles and feel balanced and grounded and find new ways to move. So I think one of the things that you can do is to just become clear on your intention. So why are you learning the piano? What is it that you are expecting from this new pursuit? And can you let go of those expectations and just joy, enjoy? what you're doing in the moment of feeling the keys and learning new songs and maybe sharing your talents with people that you love. Really defining your intention and your motivation and purpose for wanting to learn how to play the piano. And that that's not easy. I feel like th- there's this pressure, sometimes internal, sometimes societal, that yeah. do things, do them well, you know, strive to be your best, or at least that's the pressure that I often put on myself. So it's like, yeah, I think that's really wonderful advice to flip it back to like, why am I doing this? Yeah. What am, I, what am I up to here? Yeah. And another thing I would add on too is like, how do you want to feel when you're playing the piano or even afterwards? Like, yeah. What is the feeling that you want to leave with? Because sometimes we can set goals for ourselves. And I kind of have a little apprehension towards goals because for me, sometimes I can like punish myself in Mm -hmm. order to make a certain goal. And that doesn't feel good. But something I do with intentions is also focus on how do I want to feel? And for me, balance is always like key. I want to feel balanced. I want to feel grounded. So maybe for you, Grace, what do you want to feel? And how do you want to feel after playing the piano? And how can you commit to that feeling? Because if I commit to balance, there's certain things that I do and there's certain things that I won't do. So for you, if you're committing to just learning this new skill or enjoying the music, like what does that mm-hmm. look like and how does it truly feel in your body? I mean, we we do live in a very goal-oriented society. So that's that's a switch that you're kind of swimming upstream. Yeah. And uh, my coworker, teacher, amazing human being, Sam, one time told me about this quote that was, assert your pace. So being able to go at your own time and being on your own timeline. And for me, that reminder was revolutionary. I'm like, yeah. I don't have to go on other people's timelines, especially when it's a new skill that I'm learning. It's like, I want to take my time with this and yeah. enjoy the ups and downs and have fun making mistakes because, you know, there's certain things I can't make mistakes on. But yeah. something with Pilates, I'm like, no one's marking me here. Like, Yeah, you're not going to be a yeah. professional Pilates instructor. <laughs> no, I mean, some well, you could I be. think you I could be. I don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> we, wrote, we wrote it here first. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the core of a newborn baby. But um, yeah, just being able to have fun. Because that's another thing, too. Sometimes, and maybe this is where my practice has come, like, has really helped me in learning new skills. Is like, I'm really lighthearted these days. So yeah. I laugh at myself when I make a mistake. And for me, it's like, that's what allows me to keep on coming back because I'm I'm not that stern teacher, like, yeah, one mistake and you're done. It's just like I'm showing up, enjoying myself, and that's what matters. You know what's so interesting is I do karate, although I will say that I paused karate after my second kid because it was like, I can't right now. <laughs> but there was this one instructor, and he used to say, when you have a reaction to mm. when you make a mistake, he would say, that's your ego. Mm. And at first when he said that, I was like, what is he talking about? Yeah. I was like, this shows my commitment. This shows how much I care. Yeah. And when he explained further, he was like, there's an assumption in your reaction that you were supposed to do it perfectly. Yeah. And karate's built on, it's a very similar to meditation, yeah. a beginner's mind. Yeah. And, and that was life-changing for me because I always, especially 
especially in sports or in learning a new thing, I was always yeah. like, oh, it's got to be perfect. And look at how much I care. Yeah. And I was actually fighting against myself. Yeah. It sounds like oh, there's a lot of suffering that comes from shoulds and supposed to be's. Mm -hmm. And we really can do so much harm towards ourselves when we think that we have to be this thing or are supposed to be doing these things. And it's like, no, see if you can just let go of that. Just give yourself the space to truly enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. All right. Well, just to be devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah. You're a person who, you know, you really want to, this is a thing you really want to succeed, or maybe there's something attached to it, or there's some, there's some reason you want to go after it. How do you find that balance between, mm. you know, you can't always just be like, well, I stink at this. Yeah. That's a great question. And I think it's valid because, you know, as human beings, we all have goals and intentions and things that we want to do really well at and excel. But I think I always just come back to like the feeling of it because I know when I first started meditation, completely new skill. I had to do it hiding in my bedroom because my parents were like, no meditating in our house. Really? Yeah. It Wait, was like why? a big thing. My parents are super religious and okay. I don't I don't think they understood like what mindfulness is and what meditation is from like the science background of it. Yep. So for them, they were just really you were joining a cult and it wasn't yeah. catholicism yeah <laughs> got it okay yeah. i took us off track okay yeah. bring it back yeah so i knew that i had to kind of pull back when meditation was becoming more like a chore and less of like a noble duty to the people around me so noticing what it feels like because our bodies hold so much wisdom that sometimes we don't tune into we talk a lot about the mind and meditation and mindfulness but we forget our bodies yeah right and there's so much wisdom there to be tapped into. So notice how you're feeling. Are you tense when you're playing the piano? Like it doesn't seem like a very <laughs> tense job, you know, like you really have to be in the flow and to be light. And I think it's important to recognize like what's going on right now? How are you responding to your mistakes? Are you judging yourself? Are you able to give yourself a bit of grace? Can you laugh? Like what is your approach to what you're doing? And just offering yourself and extending yourself compassion and kindness because playing the piano is hard. When I was younger, my parents wanted me to play the piano, violin. I played the clarinet and the saxophone. Ooh, yes. You were your own orchestra. And I was horrible at it because it was <laughs> it was a chore. It's something not funny, that I was, but that is funny. Yeah, something I was doing for other people, right? Yeah. Fulfilling someone else's dream. And again, I wish I was meditating back then or practicing mindfulness because I would have been like, I don't want to be doing these things, but it was just something that I was supposed to be doing yep. and just showing up. And my violin teacher was so mad at me every <laughs> single time. <laughs> Did you practice? No. No. I'm like, I got other things to do. I'm like eight years old. I but have to also play the oboe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got the dishes to do. I got all my chores. Like it's just adding to the list. So yeah, tabbing in, noticing what's going on and how, how are you responding? Because a lot of the times it's just, we think it's this thing, but it's really our response. So yeah. however it's showing up in you, just becoming aware of that and seeing if you can switch the frequency to a different channel mm -hmm. of compassion. And not to put you on the spot, but what do you do, Dora? So with Pilates, uh, I've been doing it with a friend and that's been really nice because it kind of humanizes mm -hmm. the process of like, you messed up too, girl? Yes, <laughs> I did. Like, How hard was that? The instructor came around like 10 different times. Yes, she did. Because <laughs> I was doing all the wrong moves, you know? So it's been nice to learn with someone else that's there that I can joke with. 
And sometimes I'll take a break. My meditation teacher was like, there's a lot of wisdom that we can pull from when we don't practice, when we don't meditate, right? That is also the training ground. So taking time away from that skill um, and coming back to it when you feel called to. But, you know, if you have to show up every day at 9 a.m. for 30 minutes, I'm going to play the piano. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to do Pilates. So taking time off, it's taking a step back. Oh, yeah. I love this. Oh, Grace Sweet, we hope that you embrace your your newness of learning. Thank you. Keep so us much. posted, Grace. Hi, friends. Robin here. Okay. I've got a scenario for you. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system that you can trust, or is it a <clears throat> a real POS? Look, you need Shopify for retail because Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store, okay? It's going to accept payments. It's going to manage your inventory. Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortlessly Unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. So that means you could track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Seems kind of important, huh? You're going to be able to connect with your customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools that are built for marketing campaigns at places like TikTok or Instagram. Even beyond that, you're going to get hardware that fits your business take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, my friends, Shopify's award-winning help, it's there to support your success every step of the way. I say you should do retail right with Shopify. So you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash headspace. Come on, you know you wanna. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, let's move on to question number three. This is our final question. It goes by so fast, Dora. Yeah. Shoot, I want to keep on doing these all day. (laughs) Oh, we're gonna. Oh, we're gonna. (laughs) Okay, okay. My name is Patrick, and I'm a career K-12 educator. I live in Central Coast, California. I've been meditating daily for about a year now. And before that, I meditated on occasion. And when I meditate using the Headspace app, one idea that I identify with in the guided practices that comes up here and there for me is that people walk down the street and then fall into a hole, a metaphorical hole of whatever bad behavior behavior you might be trying to avoid. For me, that hole tends to be getting frustrated and upset with my family and then often acting out in anger towards them. I, I often see the hole and I still fall in it. I sometimes realize that I'm in the hole, but I can't climb out. It's like there's like a ladder right there for me, but I'm too busy feeling mad to climb up it. The worst part is that I'm in this hole and I'm yelling and nobody really wants to hear it, not even me. So just wondering, got any tips? (laughs) 
I I want to go out on a limb and say my wife hired Patrick to put that question in, so I would have to hear the answer. (laughs) So I am going to be really leaning in to what you have to say here. I mean, you know what? This has been one of my biggest hurdles. Like, you know what is in Mortal Kombat when it's like, finish him. Like, this is something that for me, I get finished, pummeled all the time. I feel like family is like the the greatest training ground for your meditation practice because it's like you have so many expectations when you label things as mom and dad yeah. and brother. And sometimes they can really let you down or maybe you don't see eye to eye. And now for me, like having compassion for my family members just as they are, not for who I want them to be has been really challenging. So I'm also very grateful for this question because it might just be reflection. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, like, yeah. Even though I know how my mom is and I know how my dad is, I know how my brother is, it's just so easy, again, to see that whole or to want them to be completely different and then let myself down and then become extremely frustrated. So yeah, thanks for this question. (laughs) Well, okay. You know, I'm I'm just thinking about what he's saying, and I especially really resonated when he said, I'm down in the bottom of this hole, and I can't get, I'm so angry, I can't even get up the ladder, and I'm raging, and no one wants to hear what I have to say, even me. So like that place, (laughs) when you are that activated, what can we do in those moments? For me, it's been a practice of journaling, Mm. which, you know, a lot of people don't go to journaling first. Sometimes I'll act on the thing and it's like I shouldn't have acted on it, but it's out. So I've been learning how to channel anger in different ways. So Pilates, boxing, Mm -hmm. finding different outlets, not using my brother as a punching (laughs) bag, but, you know, finding other outlets for me to express my anger because anger is actually really helpful, right? It informs you about what you are needing. So maybe you're needing to be heard, to be seen, to be understood, and that's not happening where you thought it would happen at. So Mm -hmm. where can you go to feel that feeling of, or fulfilling that feeling of wanting to be seen and understood? And where can you go to let out that anger in like a healthy way? And and maybe going back to the practice stuff, having things in place that you do regularly will help clear out some of the the stuff so yeah. that you're, you're maybe your first response isn't. Yeah. And sometimes I'm too angry to meditate. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like I'm not going to sit. That's not my first. <laughs> that's not what I do first. Yeah. Right. But therapy has also been a big game changer to have someone that's unbiased listening to you. You can hear both sides. You both can come up with solutions. That's been so helpful for me because family, again, is like the greatest, the hardest training ground in this thing called life. And there's so much that you can learn by being with your family, but Mm -hmm. there's also a lot that you can learn about yourself that a therapist can really help you with. So yeah, I I feel like we all, I've said this before, I'll say it again, we could all use therapy. I don't care where we are, but specifically now, given all that's been going on in the world, like I often feel like if there's a one to 10 reaction, like when there's a global pandemic, like when that was happening, like I felt like my resting place was a seven. Yeah. And so I was like hair trigger coming out of things. And and for me, I needed to put in things like taking walks more, like I needed to get out of the house, like working from home, like talk about family when you're all together all the time. Yeah. I was like, you know, I was like, I said to my wife, I need you to go to an office yep. one day a week and I need to go to an office. Like we yeah. have, like sometimes there needs to be separation. Yeah. Um, actually, recently I was just in Vancouver and I was noticing as soon as I stepped into my mom's house, there was like this 
whole like the shadow of resistance that was just like clouding my body clouding my judgment and perspective on how I wanted to see my mom in that moment and I was thinking about all these other things that I needed when I was younger or different things that I was just starting to recall and I had to really remind myself like this is a new moment my mom's living in a new house like she could be a completely different person I'm not attached to if she's a completely different person but right. I'm at but least going to you know give her that space just to show up and be herself and something else that's been really helpful is like seeing my mom as a child because I have yes. so much compassion for her when she's that version and it's easier for me to connect to compassion when I see her as a child or see my dad as a child or see my brother as a child um, and I can talk to that child in them Maybe that's through my meditation practice or even just being kinder when I'm with them and more patient. But um, but you are saying like meditation in those moments may not be the first line of defense. Yeah, it may not be the first line of defense. Like, you know, secondary. Yeah. So therapy and kind of what I was saying about seeing my mom recently about having that beginner's mind. So seeing things like. Haven't I haven't been to this moment yet, even though my body feels like we're getting back to that yeah. place. It's like, this is a new moment, no expectations. How can I just be with my mom and be present for her and how she's showing up? And maybe it's like three minutes into the conversation and I'm like, I tried, <laughs> but at least it's there, right? Sometimes yeah. three minutes goes to 10 minutes, goes to an hour and things yeah. can start to shift. But I think even just having that small moment of openness to who she is has been really beneficial for me. Yeah. And maybe when you go, you put things into place where you go take a walk or you step yeah. away. So Because yeah. I do think that with family, there's these roles. Yeah. They get set. You're the one who this. Yeah. You're the one who this. Yeah. Especially among siblings. Like I could be with my sister and all of a sudden we're I'm six and she's 12. Yeah. Even remind you, this is hard. Like, I'll remind myself, like, this is hard. These are people that I love. This is, like, the family that I've been blessed with. And I have to, like, validate that within myself of, like, I love these people. I care about them. But in this moment right now, it's just causing me so much tension and anxiety. And that's okay. But really just naming however it is that you're feeling in the moment, I think, can also help you to shift those feelings as well. Yeah. And even if you can't practice meditation right then and there, but that's why we practice before and after so that, you know, we're creating this like force field and shield um, around yourself so that when you're, you are in the environments with them, you can stay protected and stay yeah. in your own little boundary. Well, it almost sounded like Patrick was saying, I have this daily meditation practice, therefore I should not yeah. have this happen. Yeah. But the two things are not like maybe it would yeah. happen twice as much if you didn't have the meditation practice. Yeah. But like, what do you think you would say to him about maybe not? Well, I think the thing is that when we meditate, we think that all of our problems are going to go away. But right? we may They're just not become very aware of our problems. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why there's the awareness that arises from meditation, but also compassion. So being able to, what, what are you going to do when those problems arise, right? You can uh, be judgmental, you can get angry, you can do all those other things, or you can choose to be compassionate. You may not like what that person is doing, but you can still at least show compassion towards them. But there is also a thing that we have to address that when there's an impact on other people, it almost feels like there's got to be some cleanup. What What do you think about that? Yeah. And I was studying the feeling or the experience of regret because that can come up for me of like, oh, I shouldn't have said that thing. Like, Dora, you did it again. <laughs> right. And 
I found this really interesting researcher and he talks about unproductive and productive regret. So productive regret basically pushes us forward to want to get clear on our values. So from whatever happened, what can you learn from that to inform you about the things that you value? So for me, um, I value feeling heard. I value authenticity. And so sometimes when I'm in those situations where I get angry, I have to look at what is it that I was wanting, right? Because we all come to arguments with like certain things that we want to hear, right? And so from that feeling of regret, I can look back and be like, okay, I didn't get that thing that I wanted, but what is it telling me about myself and the things that I do need to show up to feel compassionate and to feel kind and to share that with others? So looking at how you are relating to regret or guilt and seeing how you can use this to inform forward movement or forward action, either to clarify the things that you value or also just to remind you that you're human. Like, And sometimes we say things that we don't mean and it sucks. And sometimes you just got to sit in that feeling of suckiness and just allow it to take over. (laughs) Like you're sitting in a (laughs) hot bubble bath of regret and learn from that because sometimes we just want to move so quickly into a different situation and we don't take time to process what has happened. And if we don't take the time to process, it's just going to happen again and again and and over and over again. Yeah. And then we start to think that a certain pattern is our personality, but that's not true. It's just a continuous pattern that we keep on seeing it show up in our lives. So we haven't taken the time to just like sit with the thing and question it and challenge it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're talking about accountability within regret. And that's really interesting. Otherwise, you're right. It's just an empty thing that you can use to beat yourself up with. Yeah. It's like self-flagellation. Yeah. We know it's coming. You're going to regret this thing. But it's like, how long do you want to keep on being in that place of regret? Right. And that's what I love about mindfulness meditation. Like it slows you down. Yeah. And once you see the thing, you can't unsee the thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's really true. Yeah. Um, I mean, those questions were incredible. And everything that you said, I just... I'm just reminded of every time I'm sitting here and talking to you all and listening to these questions, it makes me think about, oh, I can do better. And I don't mean that with judgment, but just like, it's within my grasp. And I think that's yeah. just wonderful what you, you guys are sharing. Yeah, this was awesome. I know I'm going to get home tonight and be in the shower or something. I'm going to be like, I should have said this instead. But I'm really, really, really grateful for these questions because there's a lot for me to reflect on. Well, and there's no need to have that regret, Dora, because you will be back again. I'll be back again and many, again. Many, many more again, times. And again. I think what we have here, Dora, is it's all a journey. Yes, life is one big journey. That's not to scare you, but just to remind you to take things one step at a time. And speaking of one step at a time, did you see what I did there, Dora? Um, (laughs) If you all have questions for our teachers and you want to be in a future episode, all you have to do is head over to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace. And don't panic. That link is going to be in the show notes. So all you have to do is follow the prompts to record your question. And if we feature your question on a show, you are going to get three months a free headspace dora and you can use it for yourself or someone you love how great is that that is amazing please send in those questions i and i know the other teachers love hearing from you all so yeah hit us up send us the questions no judgment no shame and we look forward to hearing from you and dora this is the saddest part of my day where we say goodbye but Dora, we're not going to just say goodbye and leave our listeners, are we? No, we have some time built in for you at the end of this discussion to allow you just to process everything that was shared today and just to integrate the things that stuck with you and the things that you want to let go of. So we leave you here with 
the beautiful soothing sounds of waves in the ocean. So take a moment just to settle in. Your eyes can be open or closed. And just notice the sounds and allow them to wash over your mind, body, and spirit. So till next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And be kind to each other. So kind. Be kind. Be kind. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz.